The Federal Trade Commission and Federal Communications Commission recently launched investigations into eight mobile device makers and six wireless carriers, citing growing concerns over the vulnerabilities that threaten the security and integrity of these products and services. The regulators say they are especially interested in how security patches are distributed. I'm Marianne Kobasek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Stephen Cobb, Senior Security Researcher at IT security firm ESET. Stephen will be discussing some of the issues that he finds most concerning about mobile device security. So now, Stephen, for starters, what sorts of security vulnerabilities worry you the most when it comes to mobile devices such as smartphones and tablets and such, and why? I think really there's kind of a wide range of concerns because, as we know, a smartphone is a computer, and it's a computer which has a lot of connections to the rest of our life, whether it's the internet, whether it's voice, whether it's text, and so on. And so it's susceptible to a wide range of attacks from people seeking information and seeking to abuse the technology. So, you know, you, you have the potential with uh, smartphone vulnerabilities for everything from ransomware, which is, as we know, very big on uh, laptop and desktop computers right now where your information is encrypted and, and held for ransom, or simply the machine is locked up until you pay a ransom, all the way through the theft of uh, personal information. And, of course, we, we have a lot of personal information on our smartphones. That information can then be sold uh, by the bad guys on the black market for exploitation by other criminals for things like identity theft. Uh, and then you have the potential for financial transaction fraud. So we have banking credentials and banking access on our smartphones, and, and that can be abused if the operating system of, of the phone itself is vulnerable to attack. So now when it comes to the sorts of vulnerabilities that we do see, what are the most disturbing things that are being left unaddressed in your opinion? And what are the key data security, integrity, and privacy risks to individual users as well as the enterprise environments that these devices may be used in when it comes to these vulnerabilities if they're left unpatched? The patching is really the key here because what we're seeing is a concerted effort on the criminal side to find holes in the core of the phone, the operating system of the device, and then exploit that before the vulnerability gets patched. Because obviously there are security researchers, you know, White Hats and the, the phone companies and so on, who are working all the time to, you know, to find holes in their system and patch them. And, and we get these updates pushed out to our machines. The problem is that historically that's always left a gap. So somebody finds a vulnerability, uh, what, in initially we would call a zero day that, that nobody really knows about and then tries to exploit that criminally, people are alerted, okay, there's this problem, we have to patch the system and a patch is created and the patch is pushed out. And the process there, we've, we've seen it on Macs and, and Windows machines for years, you know, there's a patch is pushed out and a lot of users know to install the patch. But this it gets very difficult in the mobile environment because there's not a single supplier of the device and the operating system version on it gets updated at different times depending on who your provider is and, and so on. So it's a, it's a very mixed environment out there without a sort of uniform rollout, as it were, of, of updates. You can see from the, the notices put out by the FCC and the FTC that this is where they're looking. They're, go, they're looking, okay, what 
is the environment like out there in terms of patching? You know, what are you guys doing to make sure that when vulnerabilities are found, the patch is created and pushed out to close that window for exploitation? Because, you know, in terms of, of what is most likely to happen bad with an unpatched vulnerability, that changes over time really depending on, on what the, the underground market is looking for, right? So the, is the hot data theft this quarter credit card information or banking credentials or personal information or is it some sort of ransom scheme? So exactly what the threat is going to be will vary over time. But this is sort of a cumulative problem we, we face, right? Because Every kind of threat that's developed is in a library of threats. So it's possible, and we, we've certainly seen this uh, in the traditional computer landscape, where a kind of threat that we thought, well, gosh, you know, we haven't seen that for a while, suddenly comes back. You know, because unless we're consistent with the quality of our software, holes reappear. Or, and you know, we did a survey earlier this year in the medical area where the patches just don't get done. In some ways, in the, the consumer may be better off here than the business, ironically, because I tend to see my friends and family, if they see an update note on their, on their phone, AT&T would like to update your phone, they go, oh, yes, and they, they update it. But that may not happen on an enterprise device because the company has to approve the updates. And if you're using a business phone, it's got business software on there, they have a more controlled update process sometimes. And, and so that can actually open up that window of vulnerability. And, and we found in our medical study that it's actually older vulnerabilities that are the biggest cause of data breaches. So you've got data breaches that occur because there's this new vulnerability that hasn't been patched or for which a patch hasn't been created. But then you've got vulnerabilities for which there are patches, but the patches just aren't installed. Now, the FTC and some of its questioning of the wireless carriers, they're sort of digging around to find out what the carriers think of this. If a consumer or, say, a business user, for whatever reason, does not patch their individual mobile device for security vulnerabilities, what sorts of possible security problems does that potentially pose to the wireless carrier's network and perhaps to other consumers and other users. Is this an example of how the weakest link can potentially impact everyone? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I've been thinking about this. The mobile environment is tricky in some ways for the bad guys because of this complexity, right? So if you look back in the history of self-replicating malware, you know, viruses and worms that transmit from one device to another, I don't think the environment is yet sort of ripe for that, although, you know, we've, we've got millions and millions of Android phones and millions and millions of iOS phones. They're in different states of, of software installation. So I, I'm not sure about the weakest link in terms of one vulnerability then exposing a whole bunch of machines through that one hole. So a spread of a worm throughout you know, Android 4.2 or something. I mean, that is possible, but I think the, the bigger concern at this point in terms of large-scale vulnerability is, is the extent to which the compromise of the, the underlying operating system could be so bad that people would switch phones or decide not to use a particular type of phone and so on. But that's speculative. My biggest concern right now is that the bad guys are fingerprinting phones. So they're looking to find out what kind of phone you've got, what software is on there, what version you've got, and then target the attack to exploit that 
and then get into that particular phone and then steal information, hold information hostage, or break in through that device to a bank or other kind of account. So, Stephen, in your opinion, are mobile device vendors making patches available in a timely manner to address vulnerabilities? And what should these mobile device makers and the wireless carriers be doing to ensure that users of these devices actually apply the patches and software updates, including the business environments? Well, you know, this is a tough one because the speed at which this whole mobile ecosystem has evolved has created some serious challenges for the the phone makers and the operating companies, the phone companies. The ideal situation would be that every device was registered and that the updates were pushed to the device very quickly. You know, the speed with which the, the patches are created tends to vary, and I think there are people who would say, well, they're not doing it quickly enough. The the problem is if you get into a situation where the the patching is too frequent, then you get patch fatigue on the user end of it. But I think there are several stages here. And this will increasingly be a problem or a challenge in the area of Internet of Things and, and other devices such as medical devices where you've got to be able to sort of do life cycle tracking. So when somebody has issued the device, you get the name and the contact information for that person, that owner, so that you can maintain communication with them and hopefully maintain a connection to them so that you can alert them when necessary, so that you can push a patch to them when necessary. And you've obviously got to design into your system a patch capability so that the patch can be securely delivered and and installed quickly. And then try to stay on top of this. I think clearly people at the the phone end of things are, are working on these problems, but at this point in time, particularly in the Android environment where there are so many phones out there over such a long period of time with so many different versions of the operating system, it's very difficult to see how you could say, okay, we're going to patch everything now and have that happen. You've got this lingering patch situation out there. But, you, you know, the analog there in, in the computer world is there's a whole bunch of Windows XP machines still out there, still vulnerable to attack. So, Stephen, with this all said, do you think the inquiries launched by FTC and FCC into the mobile security patch practices of manufacturers and wireless service carriers are warranted, and why? Oh, yes. I think that it's definitely warranted. I think the government has to take a leading role here. Clearly, within the American way of doing things, the balancing of private sector, self-regulation, and market forces but also regulation. And we're facing a situation which is only going to get worse if we don't do more to impose tighter security on the digital ecosystem. The bad guys continue to grow in terms of capabilities. Like I said, their armory is cumulative. Every time there's a new exploit developed or a new way of attacking things, you know, such as you know, we saw in the stage fright vulnerability on Android, then that that goes into sort of the malware factory, and if it can't be exploited right away, it's kind of put on hold. But there's a very, very organized, methodical, market-based approach to abusing this technology, and it's a formidable adversary. And so I think it is entirely valid. At any point in time where the government thinks that more could or should be done, they need to make that known. Stephen, you touched upon medical devices earlier, and besides the FTC and FCC launching inquiries into the security of mobile devices, there has been growing scrutiny from FDA and the Department of Homeland Security in recent years 
over medical device security. FDA and the DHS have been critical of medical device makers, alleging that many vendors are indeed slow to issue patches and to issue software updates to address security vulnerabilities. Sometimes patches and updates aren't even issued at all for these devices. In your opinion, what's a bigger security threat right now facing consumers, mobile devices or medical devices, and why? Wow, that is a good question, but a tough one. You know, I'd have to go with medical devices in that you get into medicine, you get into life and death situations, you know, and I'm always struck and and touched by those interviews after a tornado or major weather event has hit a town uh, somewhere, and they, they talk to people, and they go, well, we lost everything, but we've got each other, or at least nobody lost their life. And although I think there's serious potential for the financial crimes, cyber crimes, the financial abuse of the technology to really undermine the adoption of the technology, which would not be good for the economy or society in general, money is one thing, human life is another. And so I think a greater risk potential there in in the medical device area. Now, that isn't to say that those risks are being actively exploited and causing death in the medical space. But if you've got to prioritize, I I think medicine is an area. But at the same time, I've got to say, I'm very sympathetic to the whole healthcare area in terms of what we colloquially call cyber badness, right? Because there's this tremendous impetus to use the advantages of digital technology and computerized medical records and so on in society, but that's coinciding with this huge rise in criminal activity. And so it's a very difficult position that organizations find themselves in, and even those manufacturers of medical devices who got the very best attitude, and I think you know, most of the device makers are, are very responsible. It's a difficult situation. And part of it is it does actually does involve the regulation. You know, the, not to get too technical, but if you've got a medical device that's got software running on it, there's a, there's a certification process where the FDA will actually say, okay, this, this device is approved for use as it is. And then you say, okay, well, we need to change it to make it more secure. Does that require recertification? And does that take the device out of service until it's fixed. There are a lot of issues around that, and responsible companies are working hard to address those. But there may be situations where we're not going to be able to enjoy all of the potential of digital technology right away because it's not yet safe to do so. So, yeah, for example, in terms of medical devices, there are some devices which could be more useful or more beneficial if they were attached to the Internet, but they shouldn't be attached to the Internet because it's not safe yet. So, Stephen, going back to mobile devices, what would you like to see in terms of improvement in the way that those vendors do handle mobile device security, the carriers and the mobile device makers? Well, I I think possibly some warning signs might help. You know, one of the dilemmas we face in in a sort of a market-based approach to things is you buy a new digital device. And it's all shiny. It's got beautiful packaging, the marketing, the advertising, the presentation is all about how wonderful this is and all the things it can do that are good for you. But it doesn't come with enough warning signs like, you know, use of this device could lead to compromise of your information if you do not follow proper cyber hygiene. You know, we have to be, I think, somewhat more realistic about what the risks of the technology are. You know, you get a new phone, it's great, it's wonderful, but does it come with a list of 10 things you should be careful about when you're using it? 
I bought a light fixture the other day, and there were like five pages of things to be careful about before I installed the light fixture, including you know the possibility that if I was installing the light fixture with my feet in a tub of water and, and I didn't turn off the fuse at the mains, I might kill myself. Not to make light of this, but are we doing as, as an industry enough to alert people to safe use practices and protection? And are we doing enough to push out updates and maybe think about mandatory updates? Think about to what extent can we force things on the end user. And this this gets to be controversial and, and you can get pushback from consumers themselves. But if you've got a device and the manufacturer or, or the supplier is saying, you have to update this now for your safety, we want to be in a situation where the owner of the device goes, right, I'm going to do that because you've been honest with me in the past. I know I, I can trust you. I know I have to do this. It's important to do this. You know, the problem right now is not necessarily consciously thought out, but somebody gets an update notice on their phone for security, and they're like, but this wasn't what I signed up for in my user experience. I just wanted wonderful things. I just wanted kitten pictures, which, by the way, is, is actually used in one of the demonstrations of the state fright vulnerability on Android. There's a video out there of somebody scrolling through pictures of kittens on their phone, and, and one of them is booby-trapped, and, and it compromises the device. So, yeah, there's a need to adjust expectations, I think. So, Stephen, with that all said, based on the current state of mobile security, what do you think is the most important step that enterprises can take right now to improve the security of the mobile devices used in their organizations? So, I think education is probably the key. You know, security is about people and processes and product. And, yes, you should have security software on all of the devices because every device is a potential you know, attack vector to company information to the company network. But you should also educate the users of the devices as to the risks, as to the responsible ways of using them, You know, whether it's having a password or other form of protection on the device so that if somebody whips it out of your hand or you leave it in a taxi, the person who's stolen the device has a hard time getting into it, to being able to cancel that device, track that device, wipe that device remotely, and so on. One of the things you find these days if you talk to employees about device security is they're more receptive than they used to be to hearing about this because they have their own device. None of us want to lose our family photos off our mobile device. And so education on on cyber hygiene is critical. And by having good policies, good processes, and the proper education of your people, you're going to be better off than not. Thanks, Stephen. I've been speaking to Stephen Cobb. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.